Well, I'm excited about this morning. We have the privilege of hearing some, from some folks right here in our own church body. Um, as I've mentioned before, this has become one of my favorite parts of what we do on Sunday morning as we finish up a series, to hear from folks as they share how God's truth has transformed their life. We call them stories of transformation because they give evidence of God's work in our lives as His people, and I hope that the result for us as a church body is to give praise, to give praise to God. Um, as we do it, I want you to consider something with me. If you look at the biblical narrative from start to finish, there is a message, there is a theme that is central to what is being spoken. The Bible, at its core, is a story of redemption. In the beginning, mankind was created in the image of God and designed uniquely, set apart from all other creation, to be in fellowship with Him. He made us so that we might know Him. That was a part of His design. But then sin enters the scene and corrupts all that God has created. It disrupts the intent of God's original design. And we have an enemy who seeks to exploit that flaw and to prey on the selfishness in our hearts that draws us away from that which we were created to experience, fellowship with God. See, sin causes us to become something different than God created us to be. But all throughout history, all throughout the biblical narrative, there is a story of God's love motivating Him to redeem us. To restore things to the way He intended them to be in the beginning. He brings redemption. He restores the relationship that that sin has destroyed. And He does so by drawing near. We talked about that in the sermon last week or the week before last, how God draws near. If you look at Scripture, go all the way back to the beginning of the Old Testament, and you'll see how God formed this people that He called the Israelites. And He spoke His Word to them. And He taught them about Himself and actually dwelled with them as a fire by night and a cloud by day. And then you go over into the New Testament and that Word spoken now becomes flesh. Jesus Christ, God incarnate, reveals all that is true about who God is and He draws near to us in the person of Christ. And then through faith in Him and that new covenant relationship that we have as the church... God now dwells within us through the work of the Holy Spirit and transforms us to be the people that He created us to be in the first place. And so when you hear the stories this morning, I want you to hear a story of redemption. God's work in the lives of His people, restoring them to be the people He created them to be in the first place. To be in fellowship with Him as He desires them to be. And as you listen, I want you to know that if you are a follower in Jesus Christ, it is your story as well. 
that what you hear should resonate in your heart because it is a story of redemption that is true for every single believer in Jesus Christ who is being transformed to become the person that God created you to be. Be that person so that you may know Him as He created you to in the first place. So as you listen to the stories, I want you to hear that message because I've had a chance to visit with all these folks and I know that that's what you're going to hear. But look for it. Uh, I want to begin with David and Don Boring. I'm very thankful that they were willing to do this. They've only been here a few months. <laughs> and uh, so you can imagine uh, me inviting them to come do this um, and their willingness to, to uh, be a part of our time this morning. But they were really uh, glad to do this. They were grateful to share uh, how God has worked in their life. And so David and Don, if you all would come forward and uh, we look forward to, to hearing what the Lord has uh, put on your heart. David Courtney and I moved to Lubbock in June of 2012, about a year and a half ago, while God worked in amazing ways to get us here. And while we were excited about the new opportunities here, there was one thing that we did not anticipate being quite so difficult, and that was leaving family and friends. David and I grew up in Odessa. We raised our families there. Um, we raised our kids there in Odessa. All of my family is there as well as a lifetime of friends. We have two older boys that did not make the move with us. Mark is 22, and he just married a beautiful young lady this past summer. Cody is 20. He's wrapping up his junior year at UTPB. My parents, my two sisters, and their families, as well as David's dad, all live there in Odessa. We, we are very close with our family, and actually I didn't really realize how very close until we moved away. Two hours is not far, but I can't have lunch with my sisters or my boys. I don't get to enjoy Sunday lunch at my mom's. I don't get to watch my nieces and nephews play volleyball football or sing in choir concerts. We can't gather for barbecues and football games. <clears throat> our family and friends were a very significant part of our daily routine. Our house went from hustle to complete silence, and this was a change that was most difficult for both Courtney and myself. <clears throat> we were very active in our church home at First Baptist Church in Odessa. We knew that it would be very important for us to become involved in church here in Lubbock. We visited only one church before we joined a local Baptist church. We were very busy, however, with gymnastic competitions last year, and we missed a lot of church. Courtney wasn't plugging in like I'd hoped for, and quite frankly, she was beginning to have the same stomach ache every Sunday that we were in town. While God, all the while, is teaching Dave and I how important it is to just pray, pray, pray. We prayed that God would give Courtney godly friends, friends that would encourage her in her faith. She desperately needed some godly friends. This is where Melanie Park comes into our lives. Courtney's friend, Michaela Cochran, from Jim, had invited her to try Melanie Park on a Wednesday night. 
she loved it, and she started coming every Wednesday night. <clears throat> she, um, she would come home excited. She talked about Bruce and Timmy and was making friends. Most importantly, though, she was, um, she was being challenged to walk with God. She was beginning to have a sense of belonging. Courtney began to beg us to just try a Sunday morning. She assured us that we would love it too. We agreed to come once, and I will say that we were completely floored. And David's going to talk more about our first impressions here. About the time we started coming here, there was a ladies' retreat being advertised. I signed up, but I tried to talk myself out of going. But once again, God used the Cochran family. Audra called and said, hey, why don't you just ride up there with me? So I agreed, and once I agreed, I was committed. The ladies of Melanie, Melanie Park were phenomenal. They just included me as if I was a longtime member. I met a crew of wonderful ladies and was so encouraged by the much-needed fellowship. So thank you to all of you who listened to my rambling that weekend. It was at that retreat in a small group discussion that God totally rocked my spirit. Here's the comment that was presented. Uncomfortable grace can be defined as something that does not feel good, but it is good for you. I heard that and I cried and I cried and as much as I wanted to stop, I couldn't. Because that's exactly where I was. It doesn't feel good to be lonely or without your family and your friends. It doesn't feel good to watch your daughter struggle. God was using these things to show me his grace. The ladies of Melanie Park were God's grace to me. A week or so after the ladies' retreat, David and Courtney and I went to lunch with Hud and Lisa. We talked about our families and our church. Then Lisa began to tell Courtney about how she too had been moved out of her normal life when she was a teenager. She told us stories that demonstrated how difficult it was for her. Lisa told us that it ended up being a good thing for her. She assured Courtney that she completely understood what she was going through. This may not seem this may seem like a small thing, but to a mom who wants her daughter to be filled with joy and contentment, it was a mountain of encouragement. Lisa told us that she too had no family upon moving to Lubbock, but that Melanie Park became her family. Lisa shared with us her experiences just as John shared with his readers his experiences, quoting from 1 John 1, 3-4, That which we have seen and heard we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us, and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. So thank you, Lisa, for your encouragement and for your friendship. As a wrap-up, I cannot go without saying that the prayers of <clears throat> the parents, I'm sorry, the parents of the young people that Courtney has become friends with here at Melanie Park are a wonderful group of people, and we cherish your friendship. They've included us in small group Bible study, football games, and fellowships in their home. Tim and Audra and their family have gone above and beyond for us. So I know that I must sound like a very needy person, 
I think, I think Stormy O'Martian sums it up for me in her book, Power of a Praying Woman. She says, all, we all desperately need a sense of family, of relationship, of belonging. If you don't realize that about yourself, it's probably because you've always had it. Being raised in a Christian home, saved at the age of eight, and surrounded by family and friends who loved me for 42 years are the things that I definitely took for granted. God has been showing me his love in another form, the church family. It seems strange that I would be saying this because I've been in a church family all of my life, but I've never been on this side of church family, the uncomfortable side. I have a lot to learn, but you guys are great teachers. First John 4, 7 through 8. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. Melanie Park has graciously extended God's love to us through Bruce and his team, as well as the awesome youth group, through Todd and Terry, through our Sunday school class, through the wonderful couples in our small group, and through the ladies' ministry, as well as many others who have simply been willing to engage in conversation. So thank you, Melanie Park. Okay, <clears throat> I'm supposed to talk about um, how First John in coming here has transformed me, and um, she doesn't make it easy. First <laughs> um, John 3.18 says, Little children, let us not love in words or talk, but in deeds and in truth. To give you a little t- tell about us, okay, we, um, from 15 to 38, we were in the same church. Um, we met there. We got married there. We had our kids there. We knew everything about everybody. And if you were to come on any given Sunday, um, I would know you weren't a visitor. I mean, I, know, I would know you were a visitor. You weren't normal. And I'd probably come up to you and say, Hi, my name is David, and I'm so glad you're here. And I meant every word of it. Um, now let's look at our visit um, when we came here. As we were studying 1 John, you know, it said in 1 John 3.23, And this is his command, that we believe in the name of the Son of Jesus Christ, and we love one another just as he's commanded us. Well, you know, when we all come here, we're all here, and obviously we're either coming here to worship Jesus Christ, or we're coming here because we know we need something. So, as a matter of fact, when we walk in the door, we're, we've got half of that verse covered that we're, we're coming here. Now, when we came, Michael actually met us at the front door, asked us some questions, like who we knew and everything. We didn't know anybody. And was um, very gracious to us and told us about some Sunday school classes that we might um, want to go to. We were, came in over at the coffee deal, and so we were coming by. Many people um, greeted, um, greeted us and made us feel very warm. And then this young guy came up to us, and I'll call him a young guy because he's more my age and it makes me feel better. <laughs> but he, he came up to us, and he asked us lots of questions, and... Uh, told us about every Sunday school class there was, told us all about the church. And um, so we picked Huds because it's the first one on the right, (laughs) easy to get to. But when we got there, um, we felt at home, we felt loved, and they start with prayer. And um, these were, people were sharing, they were real prayers, and they were real deep. And um, gets me back to, so now... How am I supposed, I'm commanded to love one another, but how am I supposed to do that? Um, and what, I've, what we've learned since being here is we've got to get involved in each other's lives. We have to pray real prayers which come from being involved with each other at a deeper level. Um, we can get real comfortable with our jobs and with our families and with our church. 
and we can sort of not step out of this zone that we're in, these few people that we're around, and I think that's where I was at. Now, when we went on into church, um, this young guy comes up here and starts preaching, and of course it was Todd. And I lean over to Don and said, I think that guy that talked to us is the preacher. <laughs> and, and, he, and he was. And um, the, the amazing thing for me the, about this is, is that um, when we came in here as a Christian, I want to know who our preacher is. I want to know about our church and all that. But when we first came here and we first met with Todd, um, he didn't talk about him. He made the, our first meeting about us and about this church. And um, I think we can learn something from that through First John is that's what we have to take us out and it has to be more about the other people and not so much about us. And we just want to thank all of you guys for the love and support y'all have shown us. Thank y'all. What a great start. Um, one thing I just want to emphasize that David and Don spoke to, and I think this is true for many of us at Melling Park. There is a rich heritage of people who've been here for a really long time. I mean, I've been here for 28 years. And so it's very easy to get comfortable in that environment, and we forget what it's like to be the new person walking in those doors. And so this was a good reminder from that perspective to know that it's important that we reach out and love one another uh, as we are called to. And that often requires us to move out of our comfort zone a little bit. Next is uh, Meredith Hardy. Now, Meredith and I had a chance to visit this week. Of course, you know, Meredith is Mark and Bonnie's daughter. And uh, Meredith sings with the ensemble up here. Is a very gifted person. When she and I sat down this week to talk through what she had on her heart, I told her, I should have just given this whole thing to you. Because <laughs> you have really done such a great job of speaking about what the Lord has done in your life through our study of First John. So... I know you'll be blessed, as I was just that day in our office when we sat together and visited. So, Meredith? This is a lot scarier than singing. <laughs> um, a lot of you know me, but um, a lot, unless you know me very well, you may know that, not know that I worry a lot. I, I worry all the time. <laughs> in fact, um, I worry about my future. I struggle with worries about failure and success. Um, about who I am, and I've kind of always been this way. Um, I've kind of struggled with anxiety since I was a little kid. Um, when I would go to swim meets and choir contests, my mom knows, I used to like throw up and stuff. I would get myself into such a state. Um, and it's kind of been something that I've just identified myself as for my entire life, more or less. Um, before, when I was a little younger, I didn't know fancy words like depression and anxiety and things like that. Um, I just kind of classified it as darkness, I guess you could say. Um, and it's just been something that I've struggled with. And uh, when Todd started this series, I was kind of in a dark place. It's been an interesting last few months. Um, and Todd got to that verse, 1 John 1, 5. This is a message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you that God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. <laughs> that, uh... I'd read that verse before, but in a dark place, that just meant something totally different to me, um, that God himself is light. He doesn't just give it. He doesn't just create it, but he is light, and there is no darkness at all in him. Um, that just kind of got me started thinking. Um, the enemy, he, uh, he seeks to steal, kill, and destroy, and for me, personally, um, 
he likes to deal in confusion and in doubt and in darkness and um, lots of voices, not audible voices, not actually hearing things, but um, voices saying things like, I'm not worthy, I'm a failure, I'm 100% unforgivable, I'm hopeless, things like that that I start to let myself believe in these dark places. Um, And I know they're lies, but that's where Satan wants me to be. Um, So another Sunday morning (laughs) when we came up here and Todd was doing this first John study, these were a lot of these lies. And in these dark places, it's just very hard for me to distinguish the truth from the lies. And Todd gets to this verse, uh, 4-2, By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. And another moment (laughs) for me. Um, I'd never really thought about this darkness in terms of being lies so much. And uh, whenever I read that, um, and Todd was talking about that, he said, everything is influenced by the spirit of truth or the spirit of deceit. And that was kind of groundbreaking for me, that um, it's, it's not this gray, confused, doubtful, what is true, what isn't. It is black and it is white. And um, if what I'm hearing and what I'm believing does not hold up with this, that's how I know the truth about who I am, but more importantly about who God is. Um, so there is no gray. It's black and it's white. It is truth or it is deceit. Um, and that was just pretty impactful. So I started, you know, going throughout my day and my weeks and my life and, um, you know, didn't change all of a sudden, I wish. Um, and these feelings of guilt and shame and I'm not forgivable and, well, God changes his opinion of me when I sin and my relationship with him changes, things like that. Um, and then we came back on Sunday and Todd said, your eternal security rests not in your performance but his promise. We got to the verse um, in 319 that says, By this we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our heart before him. For whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and he knows everything. And that just floored me. (laughs) Because I'd read that before, but not in that place. Um, Not only that, this other verse Uh, If we confess confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And that just flies in the face of all these lies. (laughs) Um, And it's true. Uh, He reveals the truth about himself and he wants to be known. He doesn't want me to walk around confused and in darkness. Um, He is a God of order, not of chaos. And he is not a God of confusion. He is a God of truth. Um, In chapter 5 it says... So that we may know him who is true, and we are in him who is true, in his son, Jesus Christ. And just, I was just very overwhelmed with this truth, and at how much I was not really (laughs) believing it. Um, I uh, have the great blessing of working with Courtney Frank every day. She's really cool. She's one of my favorite people. And um, (laughs) unfortunately, uh, because I like to talk, we do a lot of talking, and sometimes not so much working. (laughs) Um, And... um, One day I was talking to her about these things I was worried about, about my future, I'm about to graduate, what am I supposed to do, blah, 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 blah. And she looked at me and she was just like, you're doing this, Meredith. She was like, you're doing this with yourself and you're doing this with God. And he wants you to do this. And man, did she speak truth to me in love. And it just was truth, 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 
all over. Um, <laughs> and I just started to realize that who I am shouldn't be measured in my concepts of success or failure because they're mine. They're not based on what God has done for me. They're based on how I feel about myself and um, that I should base who I am in who I'm listening to and who I'm trusting, really trusting, not with some backup plan in case God doesn't come through, because I do that. I don't know if you do that, but I do that. <laughs> um, so anyways, it's just been a lot of truth and a lot of things that I feel like God is trying to change the, the pattern of how I've lived and of who I am. And I would appreciate your prayers, because this isn't easy. <laughs> um, but I would just appreciate your prayers for me as I kind of start to realize things I've always done and um, as I start to try to change and let God change me to really trusting him and um, choosing to believe what is true and not what goes on up here, <laughs> but what is right here. Um, anyways, uh, I want to leave you with my favorite verse, if I could, before I'm done. Um, hope I haven't gone too long. Um, but, uh, but yeah, this, this darkness, I think we all experience darkness to some degree, and it's very real, and it's pretty rough. But um, God is much more real, and he is very good. And this is my favorite verse. First, uh, John chapter 1, verse 5. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Romans 12, 1 talks about being transformed by the renewing of our mind. And I think that is the idea of us thinking rightly about who God is and how he sees us. And the more we are transformed into his image, the more we become the person he's created us to be. And that's the story she just told. And that's our story as well. Uh, I want to ask Matt Barber to come up. Matt and I got to know each other through a men's discipleship group. We did not have any idea when we first embarked upon that time together how God's providence in perfect timing would allow this to be so significant in each of our lives by uh, preparing us for things we never knew were coming. And so Matt's going to speak to that a little bit. So, Matt. Good morning. Um, Todd came to me and asked me to talk about my struggle and how it transformed my life. And had it not been the first John series, I probably would have said no, because during my struggle, uh, a man named Michael Park talked to me about reading the first John, and um, I probably read this book a dozen times at least um, during my struggle, and it kind of hit home to me whenever he asked me right after the series, you know, to talk to the church about this. Um, there's a couple of verses that really stuck out to me, though, while I was reading first John. <clears throat> the first one is... First uh, John 1, 9 through 10. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. And then the second one is First John five twenty. We know also that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true by seeing in his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. Um kind of give you a little background into my struggle. There's not a time in my life where I can remember that, where I'd remember that, or not a time in my life whenever I didn't know Christ, or I didn't believe in Christ, I put it that way, but I never knew Christ. Um, the last few years of my life have been, have completely changed my outlook on it. My walk with Christ has never been a walk with Christ, I don't think. It's, it, was, it was always Christ's walk with me. Where I went, I took him with me. 
I said, you know, you're welcome to come with me if you'd like, but this is where I'm going to go. This is what I'm going to do. Um, so I never understood what it meant to really have him there leading me in my life. Um, about two years ago, that completely changed. I began, I was married at the time, and we began seeking Todd for some counseling for some problems we were having in our marriage. Uh, during that time of counseling, Todd invited me to a men's Bible study on Sunday nights. Um, I'd been involved in some small groups here at the church before, and I never was involved for myself and for my inten- and intentionally to learn about Christ and to figure out what exactly Christ was in my life. I always did it because my wife at the time, I thought that's what, that's what she would expect, and you know I was trying to make, look like the good Christian I thought I was. Um, I, I was always afraid of small groups because I wasn't very versed in the Bible, and everybody in the small groups knew a lot more than I did, and they were more fluent. And um, so I just kind of went and went with the flow. I didn't really speak up and get into the Word. Um, I started this men's group, and I really started to understand what it meant to be a Christian and what God's love was and what it meant to actually know Christ, not just believe in Christ. Um, I saw Christ as someone that wanted to be in my heart, not just as a set of rules and not as a vengeful God, but a God of love. Um, uh, one thing that really stood out to me with the men's group was um, becoming a minister towards Christ, and um, which is why you know I never I never felt closer to Christ up until about three or four months worth of this men's study, and that's why I was kind of caught off guard whenever um, the struggle happened in my life on November, November 28th of 2012. I hit a major crisis in my marriage, and um, you know I was caught off guard. I was like. What's going on? I'm closer to Christ. I'm supposed to be getting all the blessings, right? Not, not a destruction in my life. Um, so anyhow, that's whenever Todd started speaking to me about how whenever you're a minister towards Christ, that's whenever Satan's got to work harder on you and work harder to pull you away from Christ. You know, whenever you're just a run-of-the-mill Christian, you know, doing what you think is right, but not really getting into the Word, not spreading God's Word, Satan doesn't got to work on you that hard because you're not, you're not out there gaining more Christians. You're not out there doing, um, spreading God's love. It's, um, I look at it like you see you know, terrorist attacks. They're not going after the soldiers all the time. It's usually it's, you hear a lot about the recruiting centers that are getting bombed. You know, they're trying to stop the recruiting for the armies, for the military, for the police, police overseas. And that's what I saw it as. It was you know, Once I started becoming a minister to Christ and sharing God's love, that's where that's, that was becoming a recruiter for Christ, and that's whenever Satan had to work his hardest. And um, he knew where to hit me. He knew it was my family. That was the most important thing. I had placed my family over God. And um, he knew to, t- to take that away would be the most devastating thing I could ever experience. Um, during this crisis, God's love was poured over me more than I had ever imagined. Uh, <laughs> more than any man deserves. It was... From the church body, from my men's group, from complete strangers, uh, guys at work that I never had uh, had a Christian talk talk with before. <sighs> this is hard. Um, you know, I practice this a little bit, but I never it never hit me until you start talking to people about it. <laughs> um, 
I had complete strangers come up to me and say, hey, I felt I can kind of sense a little hurt from you. Can you, you want to talk about what's going on? Um, complete strangers come up to me and say, hey, uh, I'd like to talk to you about a walk to Emmaus that I had never talked to before about Christ before in my life. Just um, an amazing outpour of love. And it made me realize that that my walk, that, uh, you know, I was no longer on a walk where I was letting Christ come with me, but I had to start following Christ, and I had to let him take the lead and make and let it be a true walk with Christ. And um, I learned a lot that, that it's a lot easier whenever an obstacle gets put in your path. It's a lot easier to have somebody there, have Christ there to pull you over that, than it is to get over it by yourself and try to pull him up with you. Um, just the other day, somebody talked to me and, kind of explain something to me, it kind of put it in perspective for me. You know, whenever you're walking with Christ, you can't, be, you can't worry about what's behind you, you can't worry about your past, because the minute you start looking behind you, you're going to trip over that, something right in front of you. You can't look out in front of you, because if you start focusing on the future, and start focusing on what's, the, the, you know, the next turn ahead, you're not going to see that log standing right in front of you, you're going to fall and stumble. Um, you have to focus on that next right step. That's what Todd told me over and over again, just do the next right step. God's lighting up the path right around you. That's all you can all you can worry about is what's right there. Yeah. So thank you. Well, everybody, this is my friend Randy Martin. <laughs> and Randy, this is everybody. <laughs> I want to tell you a little bit about Randy. Randy was born with what's called cerebral palsy or CP. Um, CP is a neurological disorder, and the way it manifests itself is that you lose the ability to cooperate with your muscles. They don't function like you want them to. But what you need to know about Randy is that his mind is as sharp as a tack. And he is a smart young man. In fact, in 2007, he graduated from Cooper High School. Go Pirates, right? <laughs> and uh, at, since that time, he's lived in a group home with a couple of other people and some caregivers who are there to help out um, in that home situation. But Randy uh, started coming to Melanie Park in the summer when he met the Thomasons, and they had a chance to introduce him to our church family. And then Randy and I spent some time together, and he said when he first came, he was a little uncomfortable, a little intimidated, but the longer he's here, the more comfortable he feels. And so he's very glad to be here. Uh, one of the things that uh, Randy and I talked about was just the reality of the struggle uh, that he has when he's in a new situation because he understands that people don't know how to approach him. And so very often what he recognizes is that people will kind of stand back and stare. And he knows that they're staring for one of two reasons. They're just either afraid to come talk to him or they're making fun of him. And so he uh, sees that and knows kind of what's going on around him. But what he wants you to know too is that he's a little scared as well. Because he's afraid if you do come talk to him and he begins to speak to you that you may not understand what he's saying because that neurological disease also affects his speech. So he's nervous too. <laughs> and so the reason I wanted us to have this time together this morning is to explain why I think we need each other. <laughs> Maybe you need to be up here, not me. <laughs> well, um, Randy needs us. And we need Randy, and let me tell you why. Randy struggles with things just like you and I do. Uh, Randy gets frustrated when he can't do the things he wants to do to the point that Randy has a temper at times. Is that true? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
and we know that that's a common struggle among us all. We get frustrated. We, we have a temper at times, and so does Randy. Randy gets disappointed. And, you know, some of the things that Meredith just shared about her life, Randy, too, has those dark times where he's disappointed because he can't do the things that he might want to do or may feel left out or lonely. That's a reality for Randy. But the other thing that you need to know about Randy is Randy's made it very clear in our conversations that he wants to know about Christ. He wants to understand what it means to be in a relationship, to be known and to know. So Randy's just like you and I, right? Struggles with the same things we struggle with, has that same desire that we have. Now, here's how we benefit from Randy. Randy is challenged by things every single day of his life that you and I will probably never experience in a lifetime. So Randy can teach us what it's like to persevere through difficult times. He can teach us... (laughs) Tell me to stop it. (laughs) He can teach us um, how to be content with circumstances that we cannot change. He can teach us to have joy in moments um, that life gives us that there's a happiness about if you talk to randy he's got a great sense of humor he'll make you laugh right and and we need to learn that from him and so we need randy and and randy needs us and the reason i wanted us to have this time this morning is to kind of break down some of those barriers so that you feel comfortable going up and introducing yourself to randy and allowing randy to speak to you and let's get to know each other and allow him to become involved not just as a participant but have a meaningful contribution because randy has something to offer us and i believe you have something to offer randy now zach and john have both had a chance to get to know randy a little bit so zach let me start with you and just tell me something that you've appreciated in getting to know randy yeah so zach says he's a great sense of humor and he just has the ability to light up your day when you're having a a bad day what about you john So John talked about the same thing Zach did, just how he makes you laugh and how he's a good friend. And even maybe when we're not being the best of friends, Randy will be quick to tell you, I love you, John. I love you, Todd. That's just who he is. So, Randy, what about these guys? What do you appreciate about them? They're always around me. They're always there for me. And I really, really appreciate them. Yeah. Always around him, always appreciating him and doing stuff for him. They're good friends to you, aren't they? So the thing that I want us to hear about Randy is that that he is a, a guy just like us who struggles with the things that we struggle with, who has the same desires that we have to know and learn about Christ. And Randy needs us and we need Randy. And so let's work together as a family to, to love one another in that way. As you hear the stories this morning... I ask you to look for those evidences of God's redemptive work in our lives. It's his story. It's how he has worked among mankind since the beginning of time. It is a story of redemption. I want you to also appreciate the fact that in each of these stories, you saw the, the vital importance of meaningful relationship. Did you hear that? You heard it every single time somebody got up here. They spoke about the importance of the fellowship and relationship that they had with somebody or with a group of people, or somewhere within this body of Christ. And I believe the reason that is the case is because there's a truth in Scripture, and that is that some of God's greatest work of sanctification is through relationships. 
It's where he teaches us patience and kindness and gentleness. He teaches us, it reveals in us our selfishness, our pride. Those things are barriers in our relationships with one another and ultimately in our relationship with God. And so he puts us in a context where those things can be exposed and then he can work in those relationships to transform us into something different, something more in line with what he created us to be in the first place. That is a work of redemption. And it is the story of God in the lives of his people. And you heard that very clearly this morning. So my encouragement is that we continue the story, that we continue to speak of God's work of redemption in our lives and we love one another and be used by him in such a way that our lives are transformed to be closer and closer to the image of his son in whose image we were created in to begin with, right? And let us love one another in a way that gives glory to God, who is love. Let's pray. God, thank you for this blessed, blessed time this morning. As expected, uh, what great truth was communicated through the hearts of your people in such sincere and meaningful ways. This was boots on the ground, real life, practical stuff. Thank you for that truth being evident in a way that it has transformed lives. And may it encourage us. For some of us, it may be the thing that we needed to hear to move off of of high center. We may have been stuck. And perhaps this is what we needed, just to get a little nudge to move in the right direction. Or as Matt said, do the next right thing. So Father, help us uh, live in a way that's consistent with your will and desire for our life. To love one another and to know you as you created us to, to walk in fellowship with you. Thank you for that testimony of faith heard so clearly this morning through your people at Melanie Park Church. We are very grateful to the praise and glory of your grace, and it's in the name of Jesus Christ that we pray. Amen.